Welcome to Stay Grounded with your host, me, Raj Jana. I'm the founder of Java Press Coffee Company, and my life changed after my mentor died with three months left until retirement. That experience inspired me to start a personal journey to discover how we can all live a purpose-driven and meaningful life starting today. I interview everyone from best-selling authors and business moguls to extreme athletes and monks to discuss happiness, success, and fulfillment to uncover powerful takeaways that empower you to stay grounded and make passionate living a reality. To access post-podcast discussions, insights, and further resources, visit rajjana.com forward slash stay grounded. So thanks for joining me today. Now, let's get to grinding. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Stay Grounded. Hope you guys are all having a splendid start to your week. This week's guest is Mrs. Sherry Aldrich. So I've known Sherry for quite some time, and she is an incredible human being with a story that will shake you to your core. And I hope a lot of people will find a lot of connection and they'll see themselves in this life story because Sherry's really gone through a lot. So back in the early 90s, Sherry used to be an IT director and she had a secure and stable job, but it didn't really bring her a lot of joy. And just like everyone else, she stuck it out until her mom and two of her siblings died unexpectedly in the space of just four years. After losing half of her family in such a tiny time frame, Sherry realized that life is too short to settle for choices that don't create joy. So from there, she started pursuing her passion of becoming a massage therapist. Uh, She became pretty successful by society's standards, but her story doesn't stop there. Later on in life, the universe delivered another cruel twist where Sherry went through a life-changing injury that would prevent her from really ever practicing massage the same way that she had learned to practice it in previous years. And that forced her to really push and find a new version of happy. she So instead of giving up, instead of blaming life, she used another rock bottom moment to think differently and transform her business. And as a result, she's on course to impact even more people and leave an even bigger legacy. So Sherry's story is proof that purpose and passion can emerge from pain. And I love this story. I love this message so much because Oftentimes we think that passion comes from the good, the passion comes from the happy, but real purpose, real passion-driven purpose, the type of passion and purpose that wakes you up in the morning to do great work doesn't ever come from the highs in your life. It can, the highs can accentuate it, but oftentimes the lows, the rock bottoms, the places where you have to dig and discover who you are, those are the moments, those are the stories that push you to really create a life, a legacy that impacts people and shares your own story through the lens of love, abundance, and giving. And Sherry's story is is proof that you don't have to stay stuck in a job you hate and you can move through the toughest times. If you want to feel happier, that is a choice and you can choose to do that every single day. So I'm super excited for you guys to enjoy this episode. But before we get started, if you haven't already, subscribe to us on any of the podcast apps, Uh, All that means is that a new episode will drop in your phone or any vehicle or a tool you're using to listen to the podcast whenever it's live. Let us know what you like and don't like. Leave us a review with your biggest learnings. I read all of them. But guys, I hope you enjoy Sherry and all of her wonder and beauty. And uh, so without further ado, I am extremely proud and privileged to announce this week's guest, Mrs. Sherry Aldridge. Enjoy. Yo, yo, yo! Welcome back to another episode of Stay Grounded. 
man, I hope everybody's having a fantastic day so far. I sure am because I'm looking at one of my favorite people ever. Hey, Sherry. Hey, Raj. How are you doing? I am wonderful. And boy, am I excited to be hanging out with you again. Um, Likewise. I remember we were in Columbia a couple, crazy to think that that was a couple of weeks I know. ago. Like, a, month, a month ago. I know, yeah. I mean, how is the, the year flying by already? And oh, um, we, were, we were sitting there and it was just a beautiful setting. I mean, it was, there was so much to be grateful for with so much love and happiness and, and just connection and community. And yeah, that, was amazing. That, that was one of the first times I actually started hearing your story. Like we've known each other for a while, but I'd never actually sat there and, and heard about how you got into massage therapy and what brought you on this path. So I'd love for us to start there because I know you used to work in the corporate world before and then you made a pretty tragic shift. So how did you get into, how did you get into the space? Yeah, I was in. A, I was an IT director in my past life, as I like to say, and um, I actually I loved I loved that field. I was uh, you know learning a lot every day. You know, just back in the '90s, just the, the changes and transitionings that were uh, happening in information technology, and and it was amazing. But three things happened uh, back in the late '90s, early 2000s. Uh, in 1996, Six, my older brother was, uh, he died of a stroke at 36 years old. And um, 2000, we lost our mom to lung cancer, where we found out on this Saturday what her diagnosis was, and she died on Monday. Oh my gosh. And four years after that, my older sister was killed in a car accident at 39 years old. So in a really short period of time, half my family died. And um, at that time, I was an IT director, like I said, and dealing with around 150 computers and seven servers and 10 offices in two states by myself. And the president of the company refused to get me any help. And um, I really honestly thought I would die before I was 40, like my siblings, just from the headaches and the stress I was feeling. I don't know, one morning in January of 2004, I woke up and decided to train for a marathon. I I don't know what dream I had, but it just caught me, got me out of bed and got me to take control of my life and my health. So I started running. And as part of my training, I got my first massage. And the minute hands were laid upon my back, it was an epiphany that massage is what I'd been looking for my whole life, not as a career, but just for my health. Over the course of training, I was getting weekly massages and my therapist was talking to me about the profession. And um, I don't know, I just decided to take a leap and change my life, take control of it, do something I was happy to do. And, you know, giving people something that would bring them joy in their life um, was something that became really ultimately so important to me. In the IT world, people are stressed out. They hate computers. They hate technology. And there's a lot of anger in that field uh, where massage people are just happy and excited to see you every day. You know, every appointment, there's smiling, there's hugs, there's, you know, there's just joy in there. And so I transitioned out and fully got into massage therapy. I love that. I want to ask you, so what about that first massage you had made you feel so connected to it? Oh, um, so before I got that massage, um, well, I guess or growing up, I was extremely modest. Like, you know, I was just, I just grew up as that modest kid that didn't, you know, don't look at me, don't talk to me, don't touch me. Like I was just really shy and introverted. And when I got the massage and, you know, obviously I was, well, you don't know, I was married and had kids by then. So I wasn't like totally anti-touch, but uh, the minute he put his hands on me, it just, I don't know. It just, it was just a total release in my body. And 
just life-changing. I, there's really no other way to say it. it. Just, I felt at peace and I felt a deep relaxation the minute those hands hit my back. What's your love language out of curiosity? Oh, I don't know. I've never. Okay. So for everybody listening, a love language is a test you can take online and it pretty much tells you like what kind of way you like to receive love. It's, it's awesome. I totally, totally recommend it. Like me, I, I did it a little while ago and I realized that my love language is physical touch. Mm. Hugs or when people like, like, you know, when they, when they put a hand on my shoulder and they're like, Hey man, you did a really good job or like anything like that. I feel yeah. the love and there's different kinds of love languages. Like, like, like words of affirmation, when people get compliments, they feel loved or when they get appreciation. So I'd be curious to hear yours because I feel like you and I are very okay. similar in that regard. Uh, I will do it and I will let you know. I would love to. Yeah. Cause I, I've always felt like when, when you start to understand the things that bring yourself that, that feeling of love, I feel like mm-hmm. everything else takes care of itself. So how do you think massage continues to foster your own practices of self-care now that you're the one administering them as opposed to the one receiving them? Receiving it. Yeah. Again, it's just that aspect of when people come in to see you and they smile the minute they see you because all of their stress and everything that they bring with them instantly melts just from them seeing your face. They just, yeah. oh, I'm here and somebody is going to take care of me. They get to let go. And it just, I don't know, it just makes me feel so happy to make people feel that way. Do you feel overwhelmed that you have a job that creates so much joy in other people's lives? Like, how do you, like going from the IT world to now kind of having a, like a job that's so freeing and fulfilling, was it easy for you in the beginning to accept the fact that you were going to be doing this for your, for your life? Or was it like a, a kind of a ramping up period? No, I totally felt at ease with it. I don't know, you know, like I've been doing a lot of like self-research lately or self, you know, like exploration to figure that part out as to why I love it so much. Um, And I I really haven't figured out the answer to that yet. But when in that moment, when they see me and they have that smile that they're so happy, I, I just feel blessed to be in that position to make somebody feel better. It's not overwhelming to me. And I, I just love it. How do you cultivate joy for yourself outside of work in your life? Because of the deaths that were in my family, it, it has come down to number one is happiness is my ruler. Like I, I just want to choose happy all the time. And if I'm not loving something I'm doing, I let it go. And if it's something that brings me joy, I keep traveling down that path and um, exploring it even more to figure out why it isn't it's making me happy but I want to keep doing more of that because I've learned that you know more than anything life is short and you just have so much time on this planet and being unhappy and miserable in a job that you hate to do or in a situation you are unhappy in it's a wasted life and I don't want I don't want anything to do with that I want to go to the path of happiness path of happiness you are yeah, cultivating it. You are, you are shoveling a, a path to, to happiness. And I love it. I see the beaming. I see the beaming joy in your own face. And I think happiness is one of those contagious things. Like when you make yourself happier and you take the responsibility to live a happy life, like you mm-hmm. accidentally start showing other people that it's okay to be happy. Yeah, it's very true. Like, I, you know, most of my clientele are state workers and, and you know, they have a job they're miserable in, but they get benefits. They, you know, their retirement and the insurance and so forth. And so they stay in this job that makes them unhappy and I'm working on them and I'm hearing this stress in their, 
in their words and thinking, oh, I used to be that person. And I'm just thankful that's not me anymore. And I wish that I could help them, you know, overcome that and choose a different path. But that's their journey to take. I, you know, I just hope to live by example and help them see that they can choose happy as well. That's all you, that's all you can do. Why do you think people don't naturally choose happy? Fear. Fear and they want security. You know, that deep part of our brain that says that security and warmth and food is more important than happiness. They're afraid to take that leap and jump out and and choose themselves. It's actually kind of funny. I read a really interesting quote today and it was like, people would choose unhappiness over uncertainty. Yeah. And uh, that was so crazy to me. And I I totally get why that would be the case because I think psychologically we're wired to feel safe. Mm -hmm. But I think when you're dancing with uncertainty, especially in certain aspects of life, that's where the spontaneity comes. That's where the the exploration, that's where the self-discovery. And I feel like there's so much joy and fulfillment that comes from pain. So like, I guess I have a curious question for you. Like you, you Mm -hmm. seem very focused on the happy part. What happens when the pain comes in your life? How do you approach pain now after all these experiences you've had that are now wanting you to embrace life and happiness more? But I feel like pain is one of those things that kind of just comes along for the way. That's a great question that nobody has ever asked me before. Um, I think, you know, because I my father just recently passed away in October. And so, you know, we had um, an 18 year or so period without having a death in our family. And then my dad just recently passed away. And it's kind of made me revisit the family again and, you know, all of those deaths and each of those intimate moments all over again. And, and I think I just keep going forward and, and, you know, I don't want to settle in that grief and I don't want to live in that grief. I want to honor the people and I want to love the people, but I don't want to settle in there and, you know, recognizing that you could lay on the couch and be miserable and unhappy and cry. And um, that's just, I, I guess it's just not me and who I am anymore. I just want to move to the other side and get back to just that happy life. Do you think you can know happy without knowing pain? No, I think you have to know pain. I think you have to recognize it and, and know that it's there in your life. It's going to be there. Yeah. No, mm-hmm. That's beautifully said. You know, I'd like, I just, I've, I've been starting to distinguish between pain and suffering, which is mm-hmm. really big for me, you know, cause I've always like, like when you grow, when you try something new, you're in a level of pain. Mm-hmm. There's a level of pain that comes from growth, whether it's uncomfortable or awkwardness or not being strong enough and, or failure even, which has a lot mm-hmm. of to it. So what, is, what, what, what happens when you fail in your life? Like, how do you approach failure through the lens of optimism? Because I'm, mm. I'm so curious just from your own way of dancing through life. I don't remember who said it first or where I heard the mantra, but the, uh, the idea of fail forward um, is really important to me. I think we all have to go through these cycles in life where you have something happen and drags you down a little bit and you have to keep pushing forward into the next thing. And so failing forward um, is not failure, it's learning opportunities. And so how can you take that, learn from it and keep growing? And so that's been my, my mantra is fail forward. Yeah. Were you close with your dad? Uh, you know, my dad was growing up, he was uh, always working. He was a pharmacist and, and, you know, the nine to nine job was really was what he did. And so growing up, it was always our mom that we were around. And then, you know, she came to all the sports, she did everything. And then after our mom died, you know, there was this time with our dad that 
I don't know, he was going through his grief. And so he kind of pulled away a little bit uh, yeah. for my younger sister and I. And in the last couple of years, um, you know, that's changed. It changed just a little bit. Um, I was able to take him to World Series game in Cleveland, uh, which was so cool. uh, when they played Chicago. It was the, the most amazing experience in my life. And to go with my dad, take him there, see the tears in his eyes when he walked into the stadium was amazing. And just to get to have three hours in a car driving and talking with him one-on-one, -on -one, which is something I don't really remember ever, ever in my life having that time with him. It was definitely more in the last few years that I was really close with my dad. Yeah. Awesome. How has that experience impacted the importance of being present in your life? It, it really has impacted it. You know, I have my, my two daughters and I have four grandkids and uh, my sister, and that's kind of our core family that's left. And, you know, you start to see your own mortality and, and what legacy do you want to leave behind for your family? And being there for my kids is probably the most important aspect of my life that I want to do now. I want to just keep showing them what it's like and how you choose happy and helping them navigate through life with their kids and how they can be present and teach their kids in a different way than the way I was raised or the way I raised them because I didn't know this world when I had my kids and when they were young. Oh my gosh. That's, that's, that's so illuminating. I love, I love hearing that it's because, you know, I feel like consciousness has been like evolving, like people are learning more and more. We've had access to more now than we ever have. Yeah. I love the focus on relationships. Like even my own personal relationships have changed ever since I've mm -hmm. started to learn more and become an entrepreneur and all this. I have a question for you. You have a beautifully inspiring mission to mm -hmm. help help a lot of people relieve pain uh, through mm -hmm. your career. How do you balance the beauty that comes from that mission with the need to stay present with family? Yeah. So the mission um, that I started in 2006 when I became a massage therapist is to help take a million people out of pain. And, um, you know, that was me. I thought I could do it just with my hands and my practice and having the injury that I had, which we haven't, you know, gotten into that yet. But it transformed me into thinking only about myself and how I can be this instrument of helping people in pain, to how I can create an army of people who can help me get people out of pain. It's actually freed me up because I'm not the only one doing that. I'm not the technician taking somebody out of pain, but instead I'm, I'm at the helm helping people learn how to take other people out of pain. And I'm, you know, focusing more on the message and what it is I want, you know, like I said, my legacy to be and how um, I want to show up in this world and, you know, the army of people that I want to create to help people get out of pain um, it's actually helping me be more present in everyday life because I'm not behind a closed door helping one person one-on-one. -on -one. And so um, I've actually become more present because of that. That's an amazing distinction. And I hope everyone listening hears that. I think we celebrate hard work a lot, but I think hard work at the expense of working hard in another part of life is, is just borrowing energy. It's not okay. necessarily sustainable. And so I want, I want to hear about your traumatic injury, though, because it sounds like that had a pretty dramatic impact on, on who you are today. So what was the injury and, and how did it transform you before and after? So um, before the injury, which um, was in uh, 2013, before the injury, I was I own an injury treatment massage school. So my day was filled with teaching at the school and then working on clients one on one. 
And so I was seeing anywhere from 25 to 30 clients a week. And I loved it. I loved, you know, like the, the feeling I got when people came in and saw me and they would smile and be happy. And, and I loved that. But um, the injury was I was participating in an obstacle mud run. I just got to this obstacle and it, it, it okay, I'll just say, <laughs> I, I can't give away a lot of details because I just can't, but I can just say that my finger got stuck on one of the obstacles and um, ripped it off. So my, oh my pinky's gone. It ripped, ripped the tendon all the way uh, out. It degloved everything. And so um, it took about 18 months to get through the healing process, uh, mentally, emotionally, physically, financially, you know, dealing with the phantom pain of losing, you know, a finger and uh, financially how that impacted me because I couldn't, you know, maintain that massage practice anymore. And so it forced me to stop focusing of how to work in my business and transformed me into working on my business and how I could go from one to many. And so instead of just me being the technician, helping people in pain, it helped me focus on creating a bigger army of people to help me take people out of pain because I couldn't massage the way I was anymore for about 18 months. In that time, I opened a second school location you know, 90 miles away. And now um, I've created a, a product or a program where I'm helping massage therapists around the country open their own massage schools. And so it just, you know, from being the, the one technician to helping many, it transformed my thinking exponentially. Um, so it became just a big catalyst for change. How does all this change and amazing growth and, and probably lots of stories of, of awesomeness from all the people you're helping now, how does that impacted your relationship with the event that happened? Like, have you come to peace with it? Is it, is it something that's, that's, that's still something that's tough to, to cope with? And cause it's a physical reminder. So I'm, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, I'm curious. You know, as far as the, the event I was doing when there's, um, when it is brought up, I definitely have feelings around that and around the needs to push yourself in that way you know, not being necessarily something that somebody should necessarily do. Uh, but at the same time, it, you know, it is a physical reminder. And when I look at my hand, I'm, I can be transported back there, especially if a reminder comes up around money, because it was such a hard time for me for those 18 months to, to honestly up to three years that I was still playing catch up from losing that income that when something comes up today centered around money, I'm transported back to the fear that I was living in when that injury happened. So, um, you know, I tried to look past it and realize that I'm able to produce. And whenever I think that there's not enough, something happens that changes me. And I recognize the abundance that is in the world. And I don't have to live there in that moment. Is that you fight fear? Tell me more about how you fight, because I think fear is one of those things that shows up in my life almost every day. And I know probably a lot of people listening, there, there are different mm-hmm. versions of fear, imposter syndrome, regret. I mean, so many different ways that fear might manifest in your life. How do you mm-hmm. personally push through whenever fear shows up in your life? Man, I do a lot of journaling and um, I just write down what it is that I'm feeling and then try to counter that with the positive things that have happened since that day and recognizing again that I have the ability to produce anything that I need to. And there is nobody on this planet that is telling me I can't do anything I want to do at all. And so 
I try not to, to, to settle in the fear. I get up and I get busy. And uh, a, a term I heard recently is action beats anxiety. Mm. And I yes. love that. Action beats anxiety. And that helps me more than anything. I love that too. That's such a great reminder. I should give credit to Craig Ballantyne for that because uh, that's okay. where I heard it first. <laughs> um, you know, I feel like all information now is kind of borrowed. I feel like even this conversation is based on mentors, books, like lots of therapy and growth that <laughs> we've likely had and have been speaking between our ears that we're just yes. happening to formulate out in this beautiful medium right now. So, <laughs> Very true. Uh, so I love the action beats anxiety uh, concept because you're mm-hmm. absolutely right. Like, I think I actually read that in a, in a book by uh, in a book called The Boron Letters. Um, mm. I am Gary. It was Gary Halbert. It's like a copywriter okay. guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He got sent to jail, and he was sending letters to his son. And he was. Oh, I think sending, I've heard about that. He was sending letters to his son about like all the lessons he had in his life, and one of the lessons was that you know he was stuck and he was afraid of what people might think of the work he was creating. Mm-hmm. And when he was feeling that fear, all he did was he just went back to the drawing board and just kept writing. He just kept his head underneath the the shadow and just kept pushing through until he felt like he was strong enough to emerge from the shadow. And uh, it's such an important reminder. I'm so glad you mentioned that because I think people think we need to feel inspired to take action. I think action is more of a habit. Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, you can, I could have laid on the couch and cried every day that the money wasn't coming in the way it was before. But you know, my kids both work for me. And, uh, you know, in this time of really a lot of fear, my, my mindset was if I failed, then it also failed my kids who relied on this income and it failed my grandkids. And so I was forced to just keep moving one step in front of the other. And there was no time to quit. I had to just figure it out. There's a really powerful, I feel like life puts obstacles in your way so that you can, like, I've always believed that the universe or God or whatever you believe in wouldn't throw you into the wolf pen unless <laughs> it believed that you had a little bit of wolf in you. Yeah. Uh, and I think there's a lot of these obstacles that come up in our life because we're not being the wolves we can be. And then mm-hmm. all of a sudden it forces it out. And it's, it's like a, a, a reason to just be your best self. Yeah. That's, that's, that's so powerful. Cause you know, I accidentally realized I was using deadlines in my life mm-hmm. to like force things to come out or okay. like I was using like accountability or like all these different things just to like force like me to do things mm-hmm. when I realized that, I don't know, it's just, it's, it's not necessary. Like I feel like I was forcing myself to do things for the sake of doing them when I don't mm-hmm. know, I feel like I was running from fear for a very long time. Well, yeah, it's um, a book I'm reading now um, kind of touched on that theme that you're using the fear instead of the mission, right? And so we should be being pulled forward by a mission instead of running away from that fear. How do you find your purpose in your pain? Well, I think the biggest thing, again, was my kids working for me and, you know, the idea of the million people out of pain and in realizing that I was also one of the people I was taking out of pain. Uh, Because physically, you know, financially, mentally, emotionally, all of that, I was in tremendous pain because I was also going through a divorce when this happened. And so there was so much emotionally wrapped up into this 18 month time frame 
that um, I had to heal myself. I had to figure out how I got to keep moving forward. And in fixing or healing myself, it was by sharing that story and that message, it was helping other people. And so I think that's important is telling the story and get the story out so that other people can learn from you and what it is that you did, which is, I think, what brought us here today. It's bravery. Share my story. It's bravery. I mean, you've, you've been through so much pain, Sherry, just to see how much you help people. And I want to ask this, like some people, when they go through pain in their lives, like they go inward and, and mm-hmm. it comes almost like a, they, they play the blame game or like there's, mm-hmm. there's a lot and that's easy to do. But yeah. what I see with you is like, you've gone through so much pain, but you've channeled that in a really positive way. Why do you think you were able to do that? after all the pain you've experienced when you of all people should get to like, you know, just blame and, but you're not, you're not doing that. Like you're, you're beautifully transmuting that into something else. So why do you think that? I think because when it happened, um, especially, you know, with the finger injury, I had um, joined mastermind groups and I started hanging out with really these high level thinkers. And, you know, when I found the Mavericks and just found this, love and being around people and sharing your story and, you know, kind of figuring out how to use that story to help other people and that inside it's helping you. And when you keep it bottled up inside of yourself, you're, I don't know, fireworks waiting to go off at some point because it has to get out of you. You can't keep it locked inside. So I think it was surrounding myself with people who also have been through a lot. I think a lot of entrepreneurs have been through a lot of personal trauma and so getting around those people to help bolster you up is, is powerful. Yeah. I think entrepreneurs in particular are like some of the most messed up people I know and me and speaking about me particularly, <laughs> but like, I think I really do though. I mean, like we like we're driven by something that's different. And so when you surround yourself with other people who have been through pain, it does create a really great way. I actually, I just got done reading a book. Uh, it's called one last talk by a guy named Philip McKernan. And it was just a powerful reminder. You know, like I think most people are scared to share their to share their pain because they think that no one else is going through pain, and they won't get it. No one's going through the same pain you're going. That's what I learned from the book. At least for me, it was just a beautiful reminder that you you should share your pain because if you share your pain with truth, other people find their pain in your story. Yeah, and that's why I'm connecting so much with you right now. Like I just feel like you tell your story so like with, with so much truth that like I'm seeing my, even though I haven't gone through the same level of, of, of trauma and experience that you have, but I'm, I'm inspired and, uh, and I, and I love it. And I, I think it's amazing. So, so now that you're, you're where you are, right. Mm-hmm. You've gone through so much pain, trauma and, and experiences in your life to this day. How has that changed your relationship with pain and trauma moving forward? You know, I guess, you know, there's recognizing there's so many different types of pain and I am not a therapist. I'm just somebody that's been through a lot of pain physically, like I said, you know, financially, mentally, emotionally, you know, all different kinds of pain. Um, I think it's changed the relationship in that recognizing that on any given day, you're going to have pain. There's people out there that want to help you get over or through this pain, you have to move through it. You don't get to stay back and get stuck in it. That, um, you know, if you want to get out of pain in whatever kind of pain it is that you're in, you need to find somebody who can help you get to the other side of that because you do need to address it, move through it, move past it to get to that next level. 
you know, again, through the deaths in the family and everything that, you know, our family went through. And again, going back to the concept that life is so short and you don't have time to get stuck in there. Um, Otherwise, it's a wasted life. And I don't want to see that for anybody. That's a beautiful way to look at it, too. How do you what is your day to day look like now? Do you have rituals that keep fear out of your life? Do you have rituals that embrace and and create more joy in your life? What is what is your day like? <laughs> um, in in a, the best scenario, which um, since my father passed away in October, um, I've you know through the the end of last year, kind of um, got lost uh, for a little bit in the ritual, but. I love to get up at five in the morning. I love to read and write uh, for a couple of hours. I love to work out, go running, or I have a gym in my house. I love to lift weights and, and do heavy things. And in my gym, I have a sign uh, that, I, that I made that says, your past is your power. And so I love to read that. I love to meditate whenever I can. I try to get to the office by around 10 o'clock. Uh, in the morning and teaching, um, working with my students. I love to mentor anybody, like either my students or graduates, my kids, whoever it is. I love to mentor people. And then I'm usually home by around 6 p.m. And then it's a little bit more downtime, I think. I just like to chill a little bit, play with why my do dog. You, why, do you, why do you love to mentor people? Because I, I love to help them get over that journey faster than I did. You know, it took me a long time to figure stuff out on my own. And I want to help people get to the other side a lot faster. And uh, again, coming from that mission of helping get a million people out of pain. And so if I can share my story or mentor uh, or help them break through, you know, any blocks that they're having, then I'm helping take them out of pain. And so again, I used to think when I started that million people out of pain, it was physical. And now I recognize all the different types of pain. And now I want to help people however I can. I like the, the the transition. What if your message changes over time? Like it sounds like yours did and you kind of rolled with it. What if life throws like curveballs in your way? Mm-hmm. You're working more? Message more. Well, I'm just curious because like, I'm like, I see this in my life. Like, I mean, yeah. life changes happen. You know, I make different commitments and I grow and I, and I have different things that I'm doing. So how do you navigate a mission for your life that you mm-hmm. made maybe a couple of years ago as you're growing and changing through life too. Oh, I love that thought. Um, I'm just going to keep growing and sharing the new mission with people. So um, again, I don't want to keep it inside of me. So if something new bubbles out of me and I've, you know, met new mentors or learned new ways of doing things, I'm just going to keep sharing the message and the story. And I'm okay with growing with that. You know, I think my mission of a million people is going to change to 10 million people before too long as as I grow and I, more people are wanting to help more people, I think it's going to grow and change. And I'm okay with that. I love it. Yeah. The growth mindset, something that you've, you've cultivated really well. Uh, how do you, was, were you always this way or did you have a shift that allowed you, were, were any of the experiences you've gone through a catalyst mm-hmm. for you change, turning yourself into a growth minded person? You know, I think I always had it in me. I, I, again, I've been thinking a lot about what it was in me that has allowed me to make these changes. Um, I remember a time back, I don't know, before I started doing IT, and it's, it, I'm not going to tell the whole story because it's really long. But um, before I started IT, we were sitting in a meeting and, you know, the president of the company said, who's going to, you know, do 
uh, IT. And I had zero experience in managing computers or nothing. I didn't even know how a network worked. And I look around the room and nobody else did it. So I, I like raised my hand and I just learned as I went. So I think I always had this in me to be the next, the person that's going to just grow and push boundaries. Yeah. So I, I remember that one. And I remember a few more from sports. I was always the one to, to, you know, be the leader on the field. So I think I always had that in me. And then you get married, you have kids and, you know, your life kind of changes until you, you know, like, I don't know, wake up and realize there's a bigger world and you need to just keep going on that journey. How does being a growth minded person for like personal development and things like that translate over to being a parent? Ooh, I think um, to get to um, share that message with your kids and your grandkids, to get them to see that they themselves don't have to stay in a position that makes them unhappy. And, you know, like I, I love that I work with my kids and that they get to hear my message and see me as a strong woman leader. Like, I love that my grandkids are at the office almost every day. And, and I think getting to teach them in a way that I wasn't taught when I was a kid is really rewarding. I love it. Yeah, it sounds like it. It's your, your granny of the year. Uh, I love that. Yeah. I love how just connected your, your life is right now. Like your kids work with you, your grandkids come to your office, like you're working on the things that you love. Was there a, a point in your life where you were doing things in your, even like just in the day to day you didn't love doing? Was there a catalyst that allowed you to remove? Like, I just feel like your life is filled with like the roller coaster. Like you're, you're doing, you're, you're doing great. You're doing great. And then all of a sudden something happens and then you find yeah. clarity and then you're doing great. Yeah. You're doing great, you're doing great. And then something happens and then you find <laughs> that's my life in a nutshell. Yeah. Uh, I think I could look back to, to my marriage and kind of um, use that as an example. Uh, I was married for 23 years and nothing against my ex-husband. I mean, it was, there was fine marriage, but I just reached a point one day where I said, this is not what I want for the rest of my life. And it was hard, but I think we're both better for it today that we got divorced. Um, so I think, you know, that's probably something I could use as an example that I just literally one day just said, I don't want to be married anymore. And it wasn't serving me or, or my life or my mission. And so we ended the marriage of 23 years. Wow. That's, yeah, uh, that yeah, that's another life change, but you did it from a place of you knowing what you needed in your life. Yeah. How did you develop the courage to make such a life changing decision? I don't even know. Cause it happened right before, before my finger injury. And I don't know how I developed the courage. I think it was, again, if I, if I use the, 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 the grading of happy or not happy, or as another friend said, joy or not joy, I, I chose to go the direction of joy and not, you know, the unhappy or not joy in my life. And again, using the yardstick of the deaths in the family and life is short. I think I just chose to go that direction. Sherry, I love how you are constantly choosing joy. Mm. Like you are making the choice to be happy every day. Like that is so powerful. You're not, you're not letting happiness come to you. You're not waiting for it around the corner. You're mm -hmm. actively choosing to be happy. Yeah. Do you recognize that? That you're, I that do you're recognize doing? it. Okay. Yeah, I've been asking people a lot lately, like, because I hear it all the time that people say to me, I'm motivating or I'm inspiring them. And I, I just think I'm just living my life. I'm just 
you know, this person that's going down this path of happiness, you know, I kind of am sitting back wondering why other people aren't doing the same thing. And if we use, you know, fear as the base of why people don't choose that, um, I just one day just ripped off the Band-Aid and said, I'm not going to live that way anymore. You know, my siblings died in their 30s. Life is short. Choose joy. Yeah. Yeah. And I just want to keep commending that because I think most people are on this like, oh, I'm trying to find happiness. I'm trying to find this. But I think happiness is a habit. Just Mm -hmm. like anything is a habit. I mean, happiness is a choice. Choice and habit go hand in hand. When you make a choice to be happy, you are building a practice of being happy. When you make a choice to grow, you are building habits to grow. Mm -hmm. And so just how much, why do you think people don't realize they have choice in their life? Like, why do you think that's not something that's almost obvious? Um, I think it's just the culture that we live in um, and how, you know, people are raised with, you know, the, the idea of the, of the job forever and the pension and the retirement plan. And then at that point, when you retire, that's when you get to relax and, and be happy. And I think people believe that, you know, message that's been crammed down their throats since they were, you know, five or six years old. Yeah. I, again, I, because my clientele was state workers, I live in, you know, the state capital of Washington state and that's primarily who I worked on. And, you know, they would come in every day and tell me they hated their job. They hated their coworkers. They hated their boss. They hated to go to work, but yet they did it every day. And I'm just sitting there thinking, how are you continuing to live that way? I don't understand that, you know, that I'm in, in since I, you know, took this leap and, and went out on my own, I'm, you know, making more money than I ever would have done had I stayed in that IT job. And to many people having a position where you're an IT director is, you know, the pinnacle of where they want to be in their life. It, that's where they're trying to get to. And I just didn't want that life anymore. I wanted to explore and expand my capabilities and what I could do. And I took a chance on me. I don't understand that. Do you think if you didn't have those life experiences, you would have made the transition? I I like to think I would have. I like to think that, um, that I still would have had the headaches that, you know, kind of prompted me to wake up and decide to run a marathon and take control of my life. So I like to think that had my brother and sister and mom not died in such a short period of time that I still would have taken control of my life. No, well, it doesn't matter because what's, <laughs> what's happened has happened. Yeah. You're here you're, and you're, yeah. and you're, and you're glowing and I'm inspired yeah. to know you. So like, what are you, what are you working on right now that, that me and the audience can maybe send some love to and help with? Oh, thank you. Uh, such a beautiful mission. And I'd love to get it out to as many people as possible. Thank you. Like I said, I'm, um, I'm, uh, I've created this done for you product where I'm helping massage therapists or chiropractors, physical therapists, whatever, you know, kind of in the health field, uh, open up a massage school quickly and efficiently where it's curriculum, lecture notes, exams, operating manuals, everything that somebody would need to open up a massage school and we get it approved in their state, uh, train them and their staff. So it's everything that they would need to open up a massage school quickly. That's like my next goal. Again, this is this army of people that I'm working at creating. And so, um, yeah, I would love anybody that's interested in opening up the massage school to get a hold of me. So 
uh, my team can help them and they get to, uh, you know, get, it's love to say this is not a franchise and it's not a licensed model that after they're up and going, I'm here to support them. But because my mission is that I want to help people and I want them to find joy, I'm not going to take part of their profits or anything further from them. I help them start their school and I'm there as a resource if they need it, but I can back away if they don't need my help anymore. That's amazing. I love that. You're, and it, you're, it comes from happy that I just want to be happy and I want them to find that as well. Beautiful. Well, everybody listening, if you guys are interested, we'll have all of Sherry's uh, links in the show notes. So please reach out to her. Sherry, I had one last question for you. Yeah. In the midst of everything you've been through, which is a lifetime of things to go through um, and everything you're working towards, how do you stay grounded every day? You know, like I said, the, the working out is a big one for me and, and, and staying focused on what my mission is and what I want to do is those, those two things are really important. I put myself first, I choose happy first, and then the mission is after that. I love it. So choose happy. That's literally like, if I could even, I'd probably name this, this episode, choose happy. Choose happy. That's all you can. That's, uh, that is such a simple concept everyone has a choice and everyone has a choice to choose how they feel and you are such a wonderful example of that so sherry i want to thank you again for taking the time to be here thanks for having me and for taking the time to to just share your inspiring story with everybody but everyone that is a wrap for this <laughs> week's episode of stay grounded i'm your host raj this is your friend sherry and from us stay grounded We'll Thank you. Me. Thanks for joining us today on this episode of Stay Grounded. I hope you found this interview helpful as you create your own ways to live an extraordinary life. For more resources and support, please visit www.rajjana.com forward slash stay grounded to join the official Stay Grounded Facebook group, a place where aspiring life enthusiasts can connect and ignite passion for life together. My hope is that the positivity, content, resources, and support in this group will resonate with you on a deeper level. That what you hear in our podcast, read in our thoughtful posts, or learn in our courses will empower you to live with intention, uncover true purpose, and challenge the internal dialogues that stop you from being who you really want to be in your life. Again, thanks so much for joining us. Stay grounded.